What's up, Village Youth? How are we doing tonight? You guys doing good? Hey, how you guys been enjoying the book of Revelation? It's been treating you well? Uh, you know what? That, the book of Revelation is like way over my head. Like there are guys like Michael Chinchilla who are like wicked smart. Like you guys know Michael Chinchilla is like wicked smart. Like he's at like Regent College getting his Masters of Divinity. Uh, but for me, that like the book of Revelation is like way over my head. And I don't know if you can relate to that at all. Uh, but so we're going to take a break from the book of Revelation tonight. And we're going to look at the life and the person of Jesus in John chapter 2. Uh, we're, we're taking it back to the basics tonight. We're taking it back to Jesus, and that's a great place to start. You know, tonight, um, as I've been at youth, I've been getting some looks. Like, who's this new guy, right? Is, is this guy in the band? Like, I, I've never seen this guy before. You know, um, I told Michael that uh, I felt called to lead worship. Uh, he said no. I think he missed God on that one, uh, but that's all right. Uh, no, but seriously, my name is Dan Gillis. Uh, I'm on staff here at Village Church. I work in the kids department. It is a lot of fun, and I'm excited to be speaking to you tonight. Are you guys doing well? You guys are ready? You guys are good? Um, if you can turn in your Bible to John chapter 2, we're going to be looking at verses 1 to 11, the first 11 verses of the book of John chapter two. But I wanna set the stage a little bit. I wanna, I wanna set the stage of John just a little bit for us. Uh, in our passage that we're gonna be looking at tonight, Jesus has been doing ministry uh, for not a very long time. He's been in ministry just for like a couple days, right? And so at this point, Jesus is just meeting some of the disciples. And in the, the passage that we're going to look at uh, prior to, to John chapter 2, he meets a guy named Nathaniel. He meets Nathaniel, who is going to be one of his disciples. And, and the screen, on the screen, there's going to be a verse behind me. And here's what we're going to read. It says, Nathaniel answered him. And he said, Rabbi, you're the son of God. You're the king of Israel. He's getting jacked up of who Jesus is. He says, you're the son of God. You're the king of Israel. And Jesus answered him, because I said to you, I saw you under the fig tree, do you believe? You will see greater things than these. How many of you tonight want to see God do greater things? You want to see God do greater things in your life? You want to see God do greater things in your spiritual journey? You want to see God do greater things in your family and among your friends and in your school? How many of you guys want to see God do greater things Tonight, Jesus says, you will see greater things than these. And in verse 51, he says, and he said to him, truly, truly, I say to you, you will see heaven opened and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. And so, so Jesus meets Nathaniel. He's like, hey, Nathaniel, you're going to experience something like you've never experienced before. If you follow me, if you give your life to following me, you're going to experience something that's out of this world. And he gives him a little bit of warning, doesn't he? He says, you're going to see, if you follow me, heaven come down and touch earth. You're going to see heaven and earth collide. And right after that, at the end of verse 1, we pick up in chapter two, and the Bible says that they go to Cana, which just ironically, coincidentally, happens to be Nathaniel's hometown, his hometown. He brings it back home. And so that's where we pick up our story tonight in John chapter two in verse one. You guys ready to read God's word together? Hey, if you didn't bring a Bible, it's on the screen right behind me. You can follow along. If you've got your phone, if you've got your Bible, feel free to read along with me. This is God's word. It says, on the third day, 
there was a wedding at Cana in Galilee, and the mother of Jesus was there. How many of you guys knew that Mary knew how to party? And Jesus was also invited to the wedding with his, you guys didn't know Mary could party, did you? Uh, and Jesus also was invited to the wedding with his disciples. When the wine ran out, how many of you know that it's a problem if you're throwing a party and the wine runs out, right? That is a bummer. That is a great way to kill a good party. When the wine ran out, the mother of Jesus said to them, they have no wine. Thank God for mothers who point out the obvious. And Jesus said to her, woman, what does this have to do with me? Great response. Don't do that with your mother. My hour has not yet come. His mother said to the servants, do whatever he tells you. Do whatever he tells you. Tonight, I want to speak to you from the topic of do whatever he tells you. If you're taking notes, if you want to write something down on your phone, in your journal, in your diary, if you got your highlighters, if you're ready to take notes, I'm going to be speaking from the topic tonight, do whatever he tells you. Now, there were six stone water jars there for the Jewish rites of purification, each holding 20 or 30 gallons. John's not too sure. He's writing down the details. He's like, I can't remember. It could have been 20. could have been 30 gallons. Not too sure. So it could have been 20, 30 gallons. And so there's these, these, six, these six jars to be filled with water. And Jesus says to the servants, he says, fill the jars with water. And they filled them to the brim. And he said to them, now draw some out and take it to the master of the feast. So they took it. When the master of the feast tasted the water, now become wine. I love how nonchalant that is. The water literally just became wine. And when he tasted it, he calls the bridegroom over and he says to him, he did not know where it came from, though the servants who had drawn the water knew, the master of the feast called the bridegroom. And he said to him, everyone serves the good wine first. And when the people have drunk freely, when they have drank a lot, then the poor wine. But you have kept the good wine until now, how many of you guys know that Jesus leaves the best for last? In verse 11, it says this, the first of his signs Jesus did at Cana in Galilee and manifested his glory and his disciples believed in him. This is God's word. Would you guys pray with me? Would you guys just bow your heads with me just for a moment? And we're going to ask God to speak to us. God, we know that you're here. We know that you hear us. And so, God, we pray that you would come in power. We pray that you would come in your Holy Spirit. And, God, I pray that we would see greater things. And so, Spirit, I, I ask you to come and to begin to speak to our hearts and to begin to, to work on us so that, Lord, we might hear your voice and, like these servants, do whatever you tell us. Jesus, may we see greater things here tonight. And all God's people said, amen. Do you guys like my water bottle? I just got this thing. I think it is awesome, okay? So that, I just brought it up to show you guys. I'll drink to that. All right, all right, all right. Um, I, think, I think it's human nature. I think it's human nature to talk about what the secret is. We are obsessed with finding out what the secret is. Like, like we don't want the mundane or ordinary way of doing things. We want, we want to find out what the secret. We want to be on the in. Right, like, like nobody here except for like a grade 11 guy wants to know how to make mac and cheese from the box, right? Like we wanna know how to make, how do we make mac and cheese with like the crumble on the top and the brisket just like falling apart in your mouth. That's what we wanna know, right? Like we wanna know the secret. We want the secret sauce, right? And so like I'm constantly bombarded with like, 
with articles and blogs that tell me like, there's, here's the, the secret diet pill. Uh, here's the secret way to success. Here's the way to make a lot of money. Or, or, or here's, here's the, the workout plan that'll make you look like the sexiest man alive, David Beckham, right? We are obsessed with, find, that's right. We're obsessed with finding out what the secret is, aren't we? And when it comes to following Jesus, we wanna know the secret. Like, how does this all work? What's the secret sauce? How does like prayer and the Bible and Jesus and church and life, how does this all work together? What's the secret? And so tonight what we'll see from this passage is there might not be a secret diet pill or a secret pill that will make following Jesus easy. But there's a common denominator in following Jesus. And that is transformation. It's transformation. If you're gonna follow Jesus, you're going to experience change. You're going to be transformed. And so our question for this evening is, how does transformation happen? How do we change? How do we change when we're following Jesus? I want to give you the answer right out of the gate. So if you're taking notes, this is a great thing to write down. Change happens when, number one, God is present. And number two, when we, like these servants, do whatever he tells you transformation happens in our lives when God is present and when we begin to do whatever he tells us. And so, so we see in this passage, Jesus is at this party, right? He's at this, this wedding party. And when we read that, like we're thinking about like a modern Canadian, like there's this like cute couple and they like do these like cute, like, you know, engagement pictures and then like, they like say their vows and stuff. That's what we're thinking about. But this is like nothing like that. This is a party. This is a seven day bender. This is a seven day get down, right? And so uh, at this party, like they invite all of their friends, all of their family, everybody in the community, and they're all there for seven days. They are dancing, they are celebrating, they are there to celebrate the union of this couple coming together for a lifetime of marriage, and they are stoked. But we read at this wedding that Jesus is there, and his disciples are there. But at some point in this party, at this wedding, the wine runs out, the wine runs out and this is a problem like and, and we're not sure how this happens like we're not sure like did, did the bridegroom like not do his math right like did he not figure out like how many people are coming to this thing and like you know figure out how much wine like we don't know maybe maybe it's because Jesus invited the disciples and they're pretty like they're pretty new in following Jesus right like they've been only like following him like for like, a couple days they're not really sure how this thing like works and so like maybe like Peter and John are like getting a little heavy on, on the drinking table like we're not sure but what we know what we know is that the wine runs out right? And that's a problem. But in our culture, we think, okay, like the wine ran out. Big deal. Like, big deal. Like, like if you're having a party, you invite your friends over, you run, you run out of like A&W root beer, which is like fantastic. You run out of that stuff. And, and you just go to like down to 7-Eleven, you pick up like a two liter, like a two liter bottle of that stuff, you know, a little bit of ice and you're good to go. You're solid, right? Like that's an easy problem to fix. I don't get why, why they're all like riled up about this. But you got to remember, this is a seven-day party. And they don't got 7-Eleven. I know it's hard to believe. Like, they don't got, like, Superstore. They don't, they don't got, the, the, like, the grocery store like we know it today. And so they don't know where they're going to get any wine, right? And so the wine runs out. That's a big problem. And you can imagine the scene, can't you? You can imagine the tension, what's going on in this moment. 
And so when the wine runs out, like you can imagine like the family and those who are like really invested in the planning of this party and the planning of this wedding, they're like all in the kitchen and they're freaking out. Like they are losing their, ma- their, their minds. They don't know what to do, right? So they're like trying to figure out a solution. They're like, okay, like does anybody know anybody with like a lot of wine? They're like, I don't know, but if we do, like we gotta pray for them because they got a problem. They're like, well, like could we go to like another town? Like does anybody like know of like another town that's got like, you know, like a liquor store or like something like that? Like it, where can we go to get wine? And they're like, we don't know. Like, we can't saddle up our camels and go to the next town because we don't know if they have any wine, right? And so they're freaking out. What we learn is that Mary got involved. We don't know if she was planning the, the wedding for a long time or she just, like, stepped in and was like, okay, here's how it's going to go. We don't know if, like, she was just, like, really strong, like, okay, and she was a fierce lady and she decided this is what we're going to do. But at some point, Mary gets involved, And so she's in the kitchen. Everybody's freaking out. She's like, okay, everybody calm down, calm down. Here's what we're going to do, okay? Everybody just chill out, okay? Here's what we're going to do. My son Jesus here, he's always got good ideas, and so I'm going to go talk to Jesus. And they're like, okay. She's like, give me five minutes. Give me five minutes. And she walks away, you know, and then she walks out, and they're like, is she for real right now? Like, okay, if she has a plan, that's cool. And so she goes out into the, the party, into the wedding, Right, and there's people like eating food, and she's like looking for Jesus. He's not over there. He's not not like eating the peanuts over at the you know the the food table. And so she's looking for Jesus, and she sees like these like twelve ragtag disciples over in the dance floor, like dropping like it's hot. And she's Jesus with them. So she walks over to Jesus, right? She walks over to Jesus, and Jesus is there. And so she she doesn't want to make a scene, right? She doesn't want to make a scene because she sees that the wine's running out, and she doesn't want everyone to know because if everyone knows, the the party is over, right? So she nondiscreetly goes over to Jesus and she calls him over, get over here, Jesus. He's a 30-year-old grown man. Jesus, get over here, right? Get over here. And so Jesus walks over and she's like, he's like, okay, what's the issue? And she leans into him. She tries to whisper because she doesn't want anyone to know. She says, Jesus, they ran out of wine. I, I imagine Jesus responding to her like, yeah, I know, right? Like Jesus knew, like he wasn't unaware. He's God, right? And so she tells him, she tells him, they run out of wine. They're out of wine. And I love Jesus' response. He says, woman, woman, what's this got to do with me? My hour has not yet come. Right? What, a, what a weird response, right? Like, like I said before, do not say that to your mother, right? He says, this has nothing to do with me. But I love Mary's response. After she tells Jesus that they've run out of wine, she looks back at the guys in the kitchen. And she says, you see my son? She's a fierce lady, remember? She says, you see my son? Do whatever he tells you. Do whatever he tells you. You gotta remember, Mary was a woman who was impregnated by the Holy Spirit. If anyone had the right to say, you know what, sometimes it gets weird when God is speaking to you and it doesn't make sense and everything doesn't add up, but, but just trust me, do whatever he tells you. If anyone had the right to say that, it was Mary. Because Mary's been through stuff. Mary has been told by God to do something and she had to, because of her circumstances, trust God. And so she looks at these servants and she says, do whatever he tells you. And so she's like, even if it doesn't make sense, even if it doesn't all line up, even if you're not feeling it right now, even if you're not with him, I want you to do whatever he tells you. And the servants look back at Mary and they're like, okay, all right, calm down. Calm down, Mary. It's okay, we'll do whatever he tells you. So Mary walks away, and they're like, oh, my goodness, she is a scary woman. And so, and so they're ready. They're like, okay, Jesus probably has a plan, okay? We're running out of wine. He's our best solution, okay? He, he's, the, he's the best guy for the job. So they, they wait. They wait for Jesus to come over. And Jesus comes over, and he says, here's, here's what we're going to do. 
we've run out of wine and we have a wine shortage. So I want you to see these six jars. That's a good water bottle. That's a good water bottle. And so she, he, he says to them, hey, you see these six jars? And they're probably thinking, okay, okay, what we're going to do is we're going to saddle up our camels and we're going to go fill these jars somewhere, I'm not sure where, with wine, right? They're like, we're going to get Mar- Merlot, Cabernet, like we're going to get some good wine up in here, right? And so they're ready to go fill these things with wine. But Jesus says, okay, I don't want you to fill these with wine. I want you to fill these with water. And they're thinking to themselves, this guy is crazy. He has lost his mind. They don't say that, though, because this is Jesus. This is the Lord, right? Um, and they're like, okay, okay, you know what? Because your, your, your mom is a fierce lady, we're just going to do whatever you say. We're going to fill these with water. And so Jesus walks away, and they're thinking, like, we don't have a water shortage. We've got a wine deficit. Our problem isn't that we don't have enough water. It's that we don't have wine. And filling these pots with water isn't going to solve our problem. But you know what? They say, okay, I guess we'll do it. But, but I imagine they say to themselves, is, is Jesus even tuned into my current situation? Does he even understand what the problem is? And maybe you're here tonight and, and you're going through something and, and you're wondering to yourself, does God even know? Like, does he even understand what I'm going through? It seems to me that God isn't in tune with my current situation. It seems to me that God doesn't understand my current circumstances. This is exactly how these servants feel. But you know what? They're like, okay, okay, we can do that. And so they take these six water jars. John's not sure. It could be 20, could be 30 gallons, but it doesn't matter. They go and they fill these things, right? And so they're not going back to, to the backyard and filling these things with a hose in like five, 10 minutes. No, these guys got to like take these six heavy stone water jars out to the back, out to the well. They've got to drop a bucket down the well and pull it up with water and do that over and over and over. And after a while, these guys start to realize these things are huge. Like these things are really, really a lot of work to fill, right? And so they start filling these things and they look in in the window and everybody else is inside and they are partying. They're having a good time. And we're outside filling these dang water pots with water when we don't even have a water shortage. We've got a wine problem. And so they start thinking to themselves like, man, like, I don't understand this. And so they call Jesus, they probably like call Jesus over to, to themselves. And they're like, Jesus, like, this whole water thing, like, that's cool. Like, like you're cool, but like, I'm just not feeling this right now. Like, I need some me time. I I just need a break, right? I just need to take some time away from this. I I need some some me time. I don't know if you know this, Jesus, but I'm not called to water pot ministry. I've got big things in my heart, right? Like, I've got this vision of me standing on a stage and playing a guitar and singing, and Jesus, I don't know if you really understand what's going on right now. I'm not called to water pot ministry. I don't know if you're called to water pot ministry, but... If you are, this is for you. And, and they're, they're, they're frustrated. But you know what? They're like, okay, whatever, Jesus, we're just going to fill these water pots. And so they fill all the water pots, and they're like, okay, all right, Jesus, now show us how you're going to get us wine. Like, we don't understand. We got water, now get us wine, right? Like, fix our problem. And so Jesus looks at the servants. He's like, okay, here's what I want you to do. I want you to take some of this water, and I want you to take it to the master of the feast. 
I want you to take it to the guy in charge. And so these, these guys are like, okay, okay, we'll do it. Okay, we'll just take the, the water to the master of the feast. And so you can imagine this servant, can't you? Because he is about to look like a giant idiot, right? Because he's holding, well, all he has is water. And the guy he's going to is expecting wine. He is about to look like a fool. Like this guy is a serious dude and you don't want to get him mad at you. This is a big day and there's a lot, of, lot on the line here. And so the servant decides, you know what? I'm going to do whatever he tells me. I'm just going to do it. Even though it doesn't make sense, even though it doesn't all add up, even though I don't know where the wine's going to come from, I'm just going to do whatever he tells me. And so the servant grabs that water and he takes his first step. And many of you in this room have taken a similar first step. Maybe you've said to yourself, I don't want to be this kind of person anymore. That's not the person I want to be. I'm going to start waking up 20 minutes earlier and I'm going to start praying. Or maybe you, said, you say, I'm going to take my first step and I'm going, to, I'm going to start reading my Bible during my lunch break for just 10 minutes. Or maybe you take a first step and you, and you say to yourself, you know, I'm going I'm to go to a community group. And you take your first step. You know, we all have a first step. You know, I'm going to call the band up just, just in a few moments. But this guy takes his first step. And maybe tonight you've taken a first step. And, and he takes his first step and he says, you know what, I'm going to keep going I'm not going to go back. I'm going to keep pressing forward. I'm going to take a step and a next step and a next step. And I'm going to keep going. Even though all I have is water, even though there's a chance that I might look like a giant fool, I'm going to keep moving forward. Tonight, you've got to realize that you've got to keep moving forward. Show up today and the next day and the next day. You've got to pray until something happens. You've got to keep moving and keep saying, oh, I'm going to obey you, Jesus. I'm just going to keep going and do whatever it is that you tell me to do. And you know, the miracle was not for those chasing a dream or, or an idea. But the miracle happened when, for, when people were committed to obedience to Jesus, you see, in your life, you might not be experiencing a miracle because you, you fail to walk across the flipping room. We experience a miracle when we step out and we say, Jesus, I'm going to do whatever it is that you tell me to do. I'm going to do whatever it takes. And you've got to keep moving. But at some point, something shifted. The water turned into wine. You see, as the servant was taking this water, at some point, it turned into wine. We're not sure which it is. I'm just going to call the band up as I close. But at some point, the water turned into wine. The servant came and he gave it to the master of the feast. And the master of the feast he looked at the cup and he drank it and he said, man, this wine is fantastic. And so he calls the, the bridegroom over. And, the bridegroom, and he says to the bridegroom, this is amazing wine. Why have you held out till now, right? Like, why have you held out to us? This stuff is amazing. And the bridegroom, he's probably thinking to himself, probably doesn't say it, but he's probably thinking to himself, like, we ran out of wine like hours ago. I, have, I don't even know where this came from. 
How does, how does he have, like we ran out of wine, like I'm sure of it. We checked all of the wine and we're out. And this bridegroom receives praise that he did nothing to deserve and he does not receive the shame that he deserves. And isn't that the message of the gospel? We don't deserve the shame. We don't receive the shame that we deserve, but instead because of Jesus, because he died on the cross for us, we receive the credit that we did nothing to earn. And so the, this, this bridegroom is dumbfounded. Where did this wine even come from? You see, the miracle happens when we, like this servant, do whatever he tells us. When we do whatever he tells us. But maybe you're here tonight. And you're like, Dan, I hear you talking. Like, I hear you talking. I'm going to do whatever he tells me. But you're here tonight. And you're thinking to yourself, I want to do whatever Jesus tells me to do. I want to be like these servants and just do whatever he says. But I keep seeming to fail. I keep lacking the ability to do whatever he tells me. I want to do whatever he tells me, but I just can't. That's you tonight. There is, there's hope for you. And it's found in verse 11. You see, Paul said it like this. He said, the things that I want to do, I can't seem to do them. And the things that I don't want to do, I just find myself doing them time and time again, there's this war waging within myself, and I just can't seem to overcome it. But verse 11 reminds us, it says this, the first of his signs, Jesus did at Cana in Galilee and manifested his glory, and his disciples believed in him. You see, this miracle that they had just experienced, this miracle of Jesus turning the water into wine, was a sign. It, it, John doesn't call it a miracle. He calls it a sign. A sign is, is something that points to something outside of itself. Like, like if you're driving into Vancouver and you see a sign that says Vancouver next three exits, you know that that sign is pointing outside of itself to a city. Well, John's telling us tonight that this sign of Jesus turning water into wine is a sign pointing to something outside of itself. And we need to look at a few things in the story to see what that is. You see, the first thing that we notice is that John takes a lot of efforts to tell us about these jars. It's almost that he wants us to notice them. He says that there's six stone water jars there for the Jewish rites of purification. You see, the, the Jews had this custom, they had this, this ritual that they would go and religiously clean their hands. They would, they would wash their pots and their pans and their forks and their knives, and they would wash everything in these pots. But they wouldn't just wash them, they would wash them religiously, ritualistically, because they wanted to be clean on the outside. That's the first hint. But the second hint is found in the response of Jesus to his mother Mary when, when Mary comes in and says, they have no wine, and, and he says, well then, well, what's this got to do with me? For my hour, my hour has not yet come. You see this, this term, my hour, Jesus would use a lot in the Gospel of John. And every time he used this term, my hour, he was referring to his death, his death on the cross, where he would take the sins of humanity and pay the price for them in full. 
You see, this miracle pointed outside of itself to the death of Jesus on the cross. You see, in this miracle, Jesus is showing us that on the cross, when he died, he was doing something that these water pots could not. On the cross, Jesus not only washed us on the outside, but he gave us the power through faith to be transformed, not on the outside, but on the inside out. This miracle of Jesus turning water into wine is an indicator, it's a sign, it's a pointer of Jesus saying, I have come that you might be transformed from the inside out. Out. So if you feel tonight like, man, I just, I struggle to do whatever he says. There's this war waging within my soul. There's this war waging within my mind and my heart. Everything within me, it just feels like it's divided and against itself. If that's you tonight and you feel that struggle within yourself, if I'm not the only one in this room that ever felt that, there's hope for you. Because on the cross, Jesus, he paid for every sin that you would ever commit. He paid for it all. He says, if you would believe in me. See, it says that the disciples believed. If you would believe in him, the Bible says the Holy Spirit would come upon you and you'd be transformed from the inside out. See, the miracle happens when God is present and when we, like these servants, do whatever he tells you. So my question in conclusion is, what is the Holy Spirit telling you? As I've been speaking, the Holy Spirit's been speaking to you. You might not know this, but the Holy Spirit's been speaking to you this entire time. Maybe he's been speaking to you that you've taken your first step, whatever that first step might be, and he's telling you, I want you to keep going. Maybe you're in a season of discouragement and you just, you just feel weighted down and the Holy Spirit is saying, I just want you to hope I just want you to have hope in this situation. Maybe you find yourself in a relationship that you know is not good for you. You know it's not making you the person that you want to be and you know you need to end it and the Holy Spirit's speaking to you tonight. And maybe that's what God is saying. Do whatever I tell you. Maybe you find yourself in a pattern of life or, or, or in, in, in a constant state of sin and God is saying, I want you to tell somebody. I want you to come into the light. My question is, what is the Holy Spirit saying to you? Don't miss the miracle by saying, I'm not going to walk across the room. I'm not going to walk across the room. What would happen if these servants never filled those jars with water? What would have happened if that servant never took that glass of water that turned into wine to the master of the feast? They would have missed the miracle. Tonight, I don't want anyone to miss the miracle. God is speaking to you. The Holy Spirit is bringing thoughts to your mind. Will you do whatever he tells you? Walk across that room. Our God walked across the universe to come and know us. Will you just walk across the room and do whatever he tells you? Let's pray. Father, we love you but we know that we love you only because you first loved us. Jesus, you are the greatest example of God's love to us. God, you are love. So God, thank you that you speak to us. God, I pray that you would come in this, in this moment of, of worship and reflection and you'd begin to speak to us. And God, I pray that we could do whatever you tell us so that we might be trans 
transformed. We pray this in the mighty and power name of Jesus. Amen. Amen.